0: Hey, and welcome to the Mountain Cat Guitars Podcast, where we discuss all things guitar related. My name is Doug Meyer, owner of Mountain Cat Guitars, and I've been buying and selling guitars professionally for over 25 years. From boutique guitar and amp builders, vintage guitar dealers and experts, guitar repairmen and luthiers, retailers, manufacturers, and of course guitar players, we talk to the people who buy, sell, play, and of course obsess over the things we love most, guitars. Hello, and welcome to the Matt and Cat Guitars podcast. We are here in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, at the Guitar Shop NYC, and we are very happy to have Lance Keltner, all the way from Austin, Texas. Hey, everybody. Hey, Lance. Nice to be here. Welcome to the Guitar Shop. Lance is in town. We'll be doing a lot of videos with his line of Smart Bell amps, which we'll be talking about, and we're having a listening party later, and having all kinds of fun people come by, and there'll be tons of stuff on YouTube. Where you can hear Lance speaking about them and all kinds of fun stuff. And we have Charles Whitfield.
1: Whitfield? Whitfield. Coming yeah, so we do.
0: And then all kinds of other cool people. Josh and Prodicast will be here, Night Bob and all kinds of fun folks. So there'll be tons of video of that stuff later, too. So, but Lance's purpose, besides coming to New York to hang out, is to show everybody these amazing line of bands. So we'll get to that sort of at the end. And we'll okay. Start at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind. Okay. So you are from, not from Texas, but from Oklahoma.
1: I was born at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. My father was a uh, he was a CID agent, right. and uh, we got stationed all over the world. So to say, I'm from Oklahoma. Well, oh, you we were know, moving. We were moving a lot. Now were we, you overseas? we were yeah, we were in Germany, and and then he went to Korea, and we went to Atlanta, and then we went to Little oh, Rock. I, didn't know and that. Then, I thought and you then were military. Bright, oh, you, right? moved, you we, moved. We ended up back in Oklahoma, and that was both a blessing and a curse for me because. Um, yeah, I started playing guitar. The the curse was it's Oklahoma. There's only so much you can do. Right. You can't go get a record deal hanging out in Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> However, <laughs> so my my, my best friend in high school his uh, his older sister was married to a guy named Bobby Williams, who was in a band called Two Guns that was out of Oklahoma. The only band out a lot of Oklahoma, I think at that time had ever been signed. They were signed to Capricorn Records. Oh, wow. And they sounded like, imagine, like ZZ Top's first album meets the coolest Allman Brothers stuff. They were really good. There were a lot of bands back then that were like that. Yeah, killer. Just killing guitar guys. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they were the same kind of genre and the same sort of touring circuits like Point Blank and all those right, kinds well, of things. Right. And so the, the great thing is those guys, the upside to Oklahoma is they took me under their wing and helped me get gear. You know, made fun of my playing Taught me how to play better And I got to open for them And jam with them yeah. and, and it really brought me along As a player And, you know, when I was 15 years old My rig was a 68 Plexi Marshall And a Junior was right? and I had, a, I had a Les Paul special <laughs> I see that A 57 special And I had an And I had an Echoplex And a Clyde McCoy Wah And a Fuzz Face And, you know you I should have just kept that For the rest of my life <laughs> That's
0: the problem Right <laughs> you look back and you're like oh, Why did I get rid of that? The Plexi So, you know so
1: my band starts doing well around Oklahoma, and we got to the point that I just basically went, I've run out of things to do here, and nothing's going to happen. You can't get an A&R person, usually they even fly. Up, and them. No. no so I them. said, i got to go somewhere. I don't have any dough to go to California or New York. So I, I went to Austin in 82 and formed a band there under my name and, and actually you know, got a lot of activity and finally got a record deal. And Austin must have been popping at that point. Man, I'll tell you, the early 80s and the mid-80s... It was Steve Ray wasn't oh, Ray uh, <laughs> was it? Oh, okay. It was unbelievable. Like, uh, we actually got paid back then to play. Once the club kid. owners figured out that you didn't get paid in California to play, you were just lucky to play, they started right. doing that to us. But early on in the 80s, you could be an original music band and make a living if you were good. Right. And, you know, I fell into this deal. I mean, one of the funniest stories about me moving to to Austin was... A buddy of mine said, you know, the Austin Opera House has rehearsal rooms in the back, Willie Nelson's place. You should go out and hang out in the parking lot to see who you meet, because, you know, you might meet some guys. Sure enough, man, I went down there, and in 15 minutes, there are these guys arguing, walking down the hall out the back door. And this big Italian guy goes, who, who are you? I said, my name's Lance. And he goes, I'm Dorian Ayachi. He goes, you play guitar? I went, I do. And he goes, do you have your gear with you? I went, in my car. And he goes, come on. And their guitar player just quit. <laughs>
0: like whoever told you hang out, there was right. <laughs> yeah, so so
1: I went from I went from knowing no one in, in, in Austin to rehearsing on the same hallway with Van Wilkes, Eric Johnson, Shiva's headband and Stevie Stevie had a room there and we were at the end of the hall. <laughs> so I got to meet all these guys early on. First week
0: there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was great. So I met her
1: I, I met Eric Johnson and, and he, we became friends and you know, Van Wilkes is an incredible player too. He's a really good friend of Billy Gibbons. So I learned a lot just hanging around with those guys. And then that turned into 85. I moved to New York. Right. Got a, uh, got a lot of label interest. And in Brendan Burke, who had been managing Billy Idol, was managing me. Finally, I'm doing the abbreviated version, skip ahead. 90, I got a record deal on Atco East West. And Were you in New York the whole time? No. I, I, I stayed in New York from 85 to 86. And then my manager went, you know, it's going to be cheaper for you to maintain a band in Austin. Right, so why don't you go to Austin and, and we'll continue this process. Well, right. I ended up splitting with him, and then all of a sudden I'd done demos with Jack Ponti out in New Jersey, right? Yeah. So Jack calls me one day. I'm at my rehearsal room, and Jack calls and says, uh, I've got, a, I've got a, two opportunities for you. And you choose one, though. You can't have both. I said, what are you? He goes, I can get you the gig plan of Alice Cooper. Or we can get you signed to Atco East West under your name. And I went, Let's do the record deal. And turns out that the East West people who were very dance oriented ended up firing all the great Atco people and I was in this dan- I was on a dance label by accident. Right. So like they were basically putting all their money into in vogue, right. which they should have been. Right. And they were going, We don't even know what the hell to do with this this right. guy. So they I got out of that deal. Uh, they gave me a demo budget to go away, and I used that demo budget to do a record at Arlen Studios, which was the Opera House, Willie Nelson's place, right. and got a record deal in Europe and started chewing Europe quite a bit. And I did that for years and years. Right. yeah. And I love playing in Europe. Europe's amazing. But you didn't make a record in New York. Well, no. What, what happened was is we 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 made a record. We made started making a record at the Hit Factory, and then the deal we had at that time. Didn't work out and fell through, so I did do the album here in the Northeast, but I right. did it out in Jersey. Right. So my first album was done out near Tom's River. And that was released. In right? Huh? That was released. In oh yeah, it was on Coast West. It right. was released. It did really well in a lot of markets, but they just wouldn't push it. That's weird time for. It was a very weird time, especially for guitar oriented music. Well, the thing. Well, is- for Stevie Ray. Okay. do understand that and nothing else. I mean, you do understand that. that I mean, this is a funny side note, and she'll probably kill me if she ever finds out about this, but. My a person at Atco East West was a very famous, long-term A&R person who had been with a bunch of labels, and you know she was friends with Fran Drescher, and that Fran Drescher's Fran Drescher's character in Spinal Tap is based entirely on my a person. Oh shit! So literally, I'm at home, right? They're starting to stiff our record, and the whole Seattle thing has exploded. So I get a call from Wendy. And Wendy sounds like, sounds like Bobby Fleckman from Spinal Tap. And she goes, she goes, hey, I've got a great idea. I said, what? She goes, why don't you boys, you've already got the long hair, why don't you just not bathe as much and wear shorts? And I went, you realize that we're still a Texas band that does Texas music. It, it we won't, like really we won't suddenly be accepted by the Seattle crowd because we don't smell good and we have shorts on. Yeah. You know, and, and that happened here, too, in New York. There were those guys you would see in the rehearsal
0: studios who were like you know, like glam metal guys, you know, like you would see them, like they go to rehearsal with their hair teased up. And then when that died and Nirvana came out, you'd see those same guys two months later, flannel shirts. Shorts. Oh, now we're doing like a Red Hot Chili Peppers thing. Oh, wow. Whatever. Dude, that's lame. But that that happened everywhere. Yeah. Because that was labels saying that. Sure. Like when we were show, when my band was showcasing, like we were like just a rock and roll band, but the Black
1: Fros had just come out and they were just
0: a rock and roll band. So we're just like. But it was hey, weird. weird People was like weird. rock and roll they, bands they were,
1: they were selectively gone Everybody went That's okay They said it's an anomaly That's okay But no one else can Right Because yeah. we were showcasing At the same time And they'd be like Oh this kind of music Doesn't sell We were like
0: The Black Cross just sold 8 million copies Of the first record They're like It's an anomaly it,
1: it, it, an got anomaly more, If they gotten more bands In that did that kind of thing It would have been a whole series so The
0: next band would Did the same thing If they were just as good Yeah you know, right. it's like, but, they, they, but that's been done already They're always looking For something new Like, Even right. though like the Pearl Jam thing that, There was nothing new about that Except that they wore shorts and in the they singer, sang in, the, like in, in the
1: singer always sang out of tune.
0: Right, they had a, like a something of a thing, but like you listen to Alice in Chains, it wasn't like you never heard that before. They were just real good. Yeah, you know, but you know, it wasn't like this is a brand new form of music like you have never heard music before.
1: Did you ever understand the lyrics that guy sang? No. It's like, yeah, the corn flakes. It's like you eat the last yeah. line, right? We it wasn't to pull up to that It's flat Yeah you'd have to go Read the lyrics <laughs> Yeah I never knew what they were And then of course yeah. If you were a Seattle band Your lyrics could not Make any sense whatsoever You weren't cool And it had to all be About heroin and, and, <laughs> and the title Had nothing to do with the song Right <laughs> So was, the title would be like You know Acid Rain And it would say Nothing about right. Acid Rain But yeah. some of those bands Were really good so. So, But that's
0: what labels do They find something That's really good And then they Drive it into the ground It's like, what it's not they like Nirvana comes out Okay great yeah. And they signed a million bands That sound like Nirvana But weren't nearly as good as Nirvana I like Soundgarden They were amazing Man I know, the Chains. It was great. There were some yeah. really great bands And then a lot of mediocre bands That sounded like those bands Yes You know that's what they always did Then it was girls after that Then it was like Jewel Got it And all those things They just go to the next thing Because when we were showcasing For bands They were very honest They are like We are here to sign Nirvanas Right Like, But there's already a Nirvana And they're great at being Nirvana
1: Well but you, but, you, gotta, you gotta remember man I, I, You and I both grew up at least around the 60s and 70s, when at that time A&R people would sign you for a three-record deal they would work your and band. And to get your band to be good, right. And, and help you find your t- your sound. And if you sounded like someone else, there's no way you'd get a deal. Right. Back then it was like, you sound too much like Rob. Right, go well, we'll get your own sound. Yeah, you, it, you sound just like, like...
0: Don't have your own sound. You know? it's like, like Hendrix wouldn't get signed now. It'd be like, it's noisy and it's weird. You do know freaks. I don't you know, like it.
1: You know what freaks me out is that... that Little band with the girlish singer that sounds just like Led Zeppelin, and they got a Grammy and Led Zeppelin never did. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Randy Van Fleet, or right? What?
0: They sound like little kids playing Led Zeppelin. Yeah, but I'm sure they're you know I'm sure they're nice people.
1: I don't I'm sure they're great people. But, but I'm saying, but, but I'm they saying
0: sound they, like little kids playing Led Zeppelin. Right. You know, like but people like them.
1: One, of my, you know, one, like one them. of my friends made a very valid point. He goes, if you look at that singer, what's missing from the band is there's none of that rock. Right. vibe and aggression that you had with a band like Led Zeppelin. Right, or a lot of bands back then. Yeah. You know, were really
0: Chetworth Hall. They all had that. You know, they was, those guys were listening to blues and doing shit. You know, like, yeah. those are little kids. You know, like you know, yeah, The kid's up. got a great voice I grew up be, to be good but he no life experience it does You know, like at 17 How much life experience do you have? The, the yet,
1: kid you know. sings he's, he's has, a Plant, I think Robert
0: Plant was 18
1: The kid in great Ron Fleet's got a strong voice But he looks like he raided his grandmother's beachwear on stage I, I I, don't understand why but he does this like you that you know, But you know, it's great people, you know, mm-hmm. people should make music that sounds like
0: that It's great Absolutely. Like, and Every time you hear them, i are like Oh, I feel like Led Zeppelin, But that's cool, they're playing At least they're not doing rap at least k- against rap, either just it doesn't. No, I'm, have I'm guitar in it. So yeah, I
1: don't like. I, a, no, I don't yeah. like. I
0: don't like rap at all. I'm not a huge rap fan. I like get here and there, but I just don't get it. I'm an old person. I don't get it.
1: I can't understand anything they're saying. Here. Yeah.
0: I don't, <laughs> I'm just. A, I'm an old. old yeah, yeah, I like to understand what they're trying to you say. Kid,
1: you kids, take that drum machine and get off my lawn. Yeah, 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 yeah like, that's what like yeah, I, like. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I like Tupac. I can get into some rap music, but a lot of it
0: is very repetitive, right? You know, and I don't find it all that interesting musically. But good. Yeah. But you know, I like old music. I like old. Blues and shit like that.
1: So, but then, but then again, one of my best friends and an incredible guitar player, George Pahom Jr. Play with the Black Eyed Peas through their whole career, but they're kind of cool. And he, and he is a freaking monster rock right. guitar player. Yeah, some of them have
0: really good musicians in them. You know, like some of them yeah. could be funky. They're playing around with music. Right. You know, like they're you know they're doing, they're, doing they're doing something their own thing with it. They're right. sampling. So much up school. Oh, what I like.
1: Oh, to and to give you. George a plug, if you guys if you guys get a chance, George Bohon Jr. is in a band now. It's a two piece band, and they're called um, Cairo Knife Fight. Yeah. And the singer is a drummer. And he'll sample, live sample his drum kit and then get up in front of the band and it's just him and George. And George is doing this crazy rig where he's doing bass stuff and guitar stuff, and he's doing stuff like that. Oh, it's like fun! It's, and there is interesting. There's so much music out there now, and some of it's really good. Yeah, but you would never even know about
0: it unless someone tipped you to it. Sure, there's just so much stuff. You right. know, like you're like, I would have never heard of this, but it's amazing.
1: Like I was just turned on to a Red Dirt band from Texas. They have five albums out, and I didn't know about them until now. Right. And they're, they're called Whiskey Myers. Oh, I actually, I, I have their record. I love that
0: band. That's a really great band. I forget how I found them, but they're killer. That's the music I like. And yeah. We just, we just. It sounds like that You know, know, it's
1: funny Some of my friends That are songwriters Went You know Have encouraged me To go back and do A record Because All my friends went You know, before you got signed In like early 90 You were a Red Dirt Country band And you didn't know it Right Because Red Dirt Country Is just like Classic rock with a fiddle player Kind of Right
0: I saw videos of that band Yeah Of your band The Steamboat or whatever Yeah, yeah Fucking killing. Oh thanks told me if I saw that band At that time it Would have been my favorite band Well thank you we're just killing songs You were killing it The band was amazing like, We were the loudest if band If you had made a record That sounded like that It would have been my favorite We were the loudest band In Austin It sounded very loud But like But it was a fucking great band Yeah thank you You know yeah, Nightbot told me You know he mixed Your showcase he was telling me. Yeah He's like I mixed but like and He said it was great Yeah You know like But that was a really Killing
1: band that's why I went back to Austin to before after '86, because you know, be you know it's so expensive to rehearse here to live here. All that Everything's time. hard. You know how it is. I yeah. love
0: it. I love so it to keep here. a band together. It's like impossible here. I love Some guy's you know girlfriend throws him out and he's going back to where he came from, and your band's done. Yeah, it never well, over.
1: And over. <laughs> well, seeing and, and how we were in Austin at that time, and the reason the band sounded so tight. Is it, in those days, we had our own rehearsal space. lived in the same hours. house. <laughs> well, some of us did. We, we had our own rehearsal space and we, uh, we rehearsed three or four hours every day except Sunday. Right. <laughs>
0: You know, and it's and, and very hard here. Like I had my own rehearsal space that. at the end, but you always wind up with these shared rehearsal space with other bands, and then the other band lends the keys to their junkie friend, and then all your shit's gone.
1: Yeah, that's
0: not right. at the very end. I finally had like rooms with other bands I knew, but it's still was expensive, right? You know, everything's harder here. Out here, like in Sunset Park, like this area is still kind of cool. It's undeveloped, but it won't stay this way.
1: Well, this reminds me of where I lived in Manhattan in the eighty five. This right.
0: there's still places in Manhattan like this, but that's right. all gone now. It's all Dwayne. Reed. It's all too expensive. Right, like this is the way like these villages used to be. Yes, it was cheap. People lived down there. It wasn't terribly safe, which was great for us because we, we weren't looking for safety. Most of our activities weren't terribly safe.
1: Well, well, the thing is, is I think I think New York in general can be safe depending on where you are and your attitude about the people around you. think yeah, we should keep. Yeah, they, right. if you don't want to be down... on a right. you're in the at Hell's Kitchen or, at 4 yeah. in the morning, There's you yeah. some fucking people around Well, the yeah. thing is, is everybody talks about different cities being dangerous all over the world. Like, I was just in Mexico City, right? Amazing city, right? It's just a great place. It's an amazing city. But it, it, one of my friends was going, oh, aren't you scared to go to Mexico City? It's like, dude, there's... North Austin at I-35 and Coney Lane is dangerous at two in the morning. Right, you know, everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, like yeah, I have an idea. People. I'm not going to go to a cartel-controlled area to a disco at 1.30 yep. in the morning. 1:30 in the morning and do no, 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 of weird drugs. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's double back. Okay. to, because you've done
0: so much stuff. So I've done stuff. You know, it's hard to figure out where to go. Okay. But obviously, when I first became aware of you was through when we first started when I first spoke Mountain Cat I started doing boutique guitars and right. people said oh you know there's cats doing videos for guitars which you I was know. doing yeah and you were pretty much the guy and you were doing mostly with Cliff and Destroy All Guitars mm-hmm. and that's when I first saw you and I was just opening Mountain Cat, and I was like, "Oh, there's people making videos." And there you are, right. and seeing you were doing it. The first ones in a barn or a garage or something.
1: We were in. A, we were, My friend works on vintage Mustangs. Right. And we, used to, we used to use his garage. It's cool as shit. So there'd be yeah. like a Mustang on the left. Yeah. Ever yeah, seen that video? Going, That's fucking cool. <laughs>
0: right. And I think you and we we're like, oh well, because we just started making videos, and we we're like, oh, we could make videos. I guess. Sure. We don't have somewhere like that. Cool. But so we, I just started making videos because someone said, "Oh, you should." Everyone's doing it. Right. And I had Daniel who couldn't be here today because he. He had ACL surgery yesterday, right. but normally he does the videos. Okay, cool. Um, so he'll edit all this hey, after the know. fact. But uh, but he was Ted just got out of film school, right? So he could film things. So we're like, oh, we can make videos. I can Why not? So we started. The real early ones are real weird. Why? <laughs> right. You know, take just a second to get used to.
1: Well the thing is is yours them. are very organic like mine are I've mine always been kinda of funky. Right. I mean there's a lot of guys like that I have a lot of respect for that their videos are super slick and well produced right. and might have never been they that, became way.
0: that way. And now anyone can make one because sure. I could even make them myself with my phone and I could edit them. Sure. Back then I couldn't. Right. I didn't of know how you know Daniel his still look way better than Right. Me. Of course. And he edits better because he's actually a professional editor at vice. Right. So he can edit shit. But you know, I can make them in my house and I could put the info on them in iMovie or whatever this is. Like. Yeah. So, you know, everyone's making their own videos now. So, it isn't this thing where you had to make back then. Like, you know, like you charged people a lot for their videos because their guitars sold. Well, it was worth paying you to make a video.
1: Yeah, I mean, and plug for myself, I'm still doing videos right. for hire. I, I, because of my non-compete with my own company, right. I can't do amp videos anymore, right. really. But I, I do guitar videos and pedal videos. Yeah, and, you know, there was, there was one builder that called me one time a few years ago. And, you know, it's weird because I don't have as many followers as some people do, but I have the right ones. Right. And so... Yes, the numbers we, of followers we all know doesn't mean shit. So the, yeah. So, yeah. So, so this really killer builder said, I'm in a bit of a slump. I want to send you my flagship guitar. And we did one out in the garage, and he sold 11 guitars the next week. Right, However. Which, That's, which put him back in, you know, in the right. In this thing. And that was awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that we've been able to help. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the thing back
0: then. Like, yeah, that will lands to have Lance do a video because, yeah, how else would people can see your shit?
1: Well, now you have Pete Thorne and all, and all these other guys yeah. that are really good. Yeah. yeah, he was always great. It was oh, always dude, He's great. Sean Tubbs. Um, yeah,
0: there was a lot of guys back then. All of a sudden, they're coming kind of into Like, fuck, oh, these guys are.
1: Good. Oh, and I'm going. Oh no, these guys look like professional. and yeah, they know They're and they know really what, pro and They're really playing. They know nicely. what they're doing. Yeah. They know what they're doing. You know. And, and and then you know how it is too because you have a YouTube channel. You always get the people that go, hey, great job and then the other people that go, you realize the bass player's G-string was slightly out of tune or, 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 oh, <laughs> YouTube's you- the worst because I have a million YouTube
0: videos right. and I did a Les Paul Jr. video. It's an old, Junior, it went out of tune in the middle of video, like you know the string slipped. But I was like, all right, you know, it's cool video, it's fine, you know. So I wrote in the caption, "Hey, the G string slips slightly." Yeah, you know, but it's a cool video, and you can get an sure. idea. Every single comment was like, "Buy a tuner." You're an asshole.
1: Your guitar's out of tune. Oh yeah. I'm like, my really? my be- my best one was buy a tuner. They all my, said my best my best one is you've you've aged a lot. You <laughs> you know playing hillbilly hat. <laughs> I got at one point. I was
0: experimenting With this, like, this massive beard Yeah And some guy writes I didn't know Hagar the Horrible Played guitar That's That was my favorite one at I right. was like I look just like Hagar the Horrible Good for that guy well, <laughs> well, what, you, what you have to Be able to do Is just let that stuff Roll off Yeah your I don't get I still got You You suck <laughs> Like, not as much as I used to, though. Like, well, I'll start watching your, your stuff more and I'll go, no, he doesn't. He's my I, friend.
1: Stop it. Just Learn how to play guitar. I know you are, but what am I? Okay. <laughs> oh, no, some guy went out. You know, Sean Tubb does videos, right? And Sean is like a monster player. He played with Carrie Underwood and all these people but just play. You suck. <laughs> you no, know, he can play anything. And I, and I saw this thing on Facebook where some guy in Nashville was going after him for not playing worth his shit or something. And I was like, dude, you better put your playing up or be quiet. You're a
0: professional guitar player. So (laughs)
1: Sean's a badass, you know? Yeah, so I don't feel... I mean, there's a lot of
0: angry people out there on YouTube, but, like... Yeah, you know, like, it's one. known to be that way. You know, like. yeah. so I don't yeah. get them too often. I have a lot of videos now. Like we've been doing them, I have videos that are almost like ten years old now. Sure. So you, I mean, you are considerably older them,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? So somebody goes, "Wow, you've like, really." Fuck. I am mean, like, yeah, I'm like you've really aged. No I am like, shit. I am like, that was fourteen years ago. Yeah. yeah, let's you know, you look the same as you look fourteen years ago. <laughs> I wished I did. <laughs> right, but now you can see it. It's like, all right, yeah. you know, like no one
0: looks like they look fourteen years. We ago. have to be comfortable with our oldness. Well, it's just happening now. But yeah. now you can see it. Yes. You know, now you could. You know, you, for the last, you, you like, it 12 online. or 14 years. You're going to see pictures from when you were younger. You know, so yeah. like, but you know, and you, you know, look. At, I have one video. I just happen to have four tweed Deluxes at the same time. Wow. And the different ones. Sure. So I was like, you know what? Someday someone will find this helpful. Let's do a video. I we'll play each one Because I like the earlier Tweed Deluxes Better than the later okay. Everyone goes for t- the thin panels But I like the fat panel better okay. and I did that video And so many I've seen it It has like a, like a half a million hits or more Amazing I've seen it reposted a million times really cool. When the people are talking about deluxes And so many people have written Thank you so much I was going to buy a fat panel But now I'm buying a, a thin panel But now I'm going to buy a fat panel Because of this video Cool I was like that's the way I feel Can about I it Because tell- the thin panels just break up immediately
1: Right you know, it like
0: be which a lot of people want. They want well, the Billy. It, it to goes from
1: zero to, to Neil Young. Yeah, one, it's distorted. It's, it's like it's zero, zero to Neil right. Young. I'm like it's like sweet it's champ, yeah. It's bigger. Sure. But I, I play a
0: little cleaner than that, so I like there to be. a bit, So the fat panel doesn't do that. It's a different circuit, right? So it takes a second till it gets distorted.
1: Well, you know, you know, uh, sidebar note. You and I like the same sort of like red dirt country, sort of slightly distorted right, Fender fuzziness it. I found a pedal that you need to check out that I would like... Oh, did you... Is that the way you yet i I haven't put the video up yet, but uh, there's a company in Eastern Europe called... Believe it or not, my company's called Smart Bell. They're, right, they're, those guys. There's called Dry Bell. Yeah, I looked at that. They the Unit 67? Really cool. Yeah. So I got the Unit 67 pedal. You will love it. And did you make a video of it? Uh, I did. It. The video's in my... We transfer inbox and I don't have my laptop with me, so I, I, when I get home, I have to upload. Yeah, we're on their website and check that out. Yeah, but but, but basic, their their website videos don't really show everything the thing will do. But so cool for guys like us because you could set a fender style clean. Right. It's got a, a linear boost. Then it's got like a, a like a, a tr- like a range master boost. Then it's got Alrighty. then it's got a bass and treble control, and then a sustain knob for compression. So you can go from super clean to Mike Campbell in like a couple of knobs changes and just step on the button. And oh. it's right, it's right there. Put you, that on the list, Mike. Unit sixty seven. <laughs> I'm just giving them. Mike's got like, a pedal tear. And, 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 <laughs> as a disclaimer, as a disclaimer, I do not work for Unit sixty seven, nor have I been paid money by them. I just like the pedal. I think it's really yeah. Those sounded cool. I want to hear that. One. Yeah. So. so, and then how did you originally get hooked up with Cliff from The Shore Okay, well that's a, that's a weird one because Cliff had, had years ago had been at Sony, right? He was a record guy in the City, right? right? So he knew of he was me. A label? He had Relativity, right? And at some point, somebody had pitched me to Cliff at Relativity, right? But I think I had too many more like you know song song, and it wasn't as guitar oriented as right. his label was. But we knew of each other, so when I started doing demos for just individual builders. Cliff called me up, you know, and he goes, that's ah, Cliff from Destroy All Guitars. You know, he you know, asked me if I wanted to do videos for him. Oh, that's and, up. and I said, I like money. <laughs> and so we worked out a deal. And, and I, for, for a while there, man, I was doing... Six, seven videos a month. Oh, yeah, that's right. When I discovered all that. Yeah, know, for like, Cliff. I mean, yeah, was Cliff bagging him out. I mean, you know? there was so much stuff coming and going from my place; it was unbelievable. And we were just doing the videos, yeah. and, and I had a great team, you know, because because it's Austin, and you know, guys are around that are awesome. Yeah. Generally, I would have Tommy Taylor on drums. He right.
0: was kill- You were doing band videos or killing bands.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, like I said, Tommy Taylor played there. Johnson yeah. still does, and I had Mark Epstein from Johnny Winter and Bonhamos's band on bass. Yeah. And this guy, Patterson Barrett on keys, who's an amazing multi-instrumentalist. So we would do these jam things, and what was so funny is I went back and listened to a bunch of them at one point, right? And I went... Edit, edit, edit. Cut, cut, cut. And I went, that's an instrumental record. And right. I put it out. And it was called uh, Mystic Redneck. <laughs> oh, I love that record.
0: Did you a That's
1: nothing that. but jams. Yeah, there was some really great stuff on it. But there's no songs. It's just jams. <laughs> yeah. some people have gotten Young Touch Me Online and gone. You know, it was really cool how you guys just seem to like naturally morph, and the song takes all these different shapes. I'm like, it's because we didn't have a song.
0: But, <laughs> but that was a cool record, though. I remember yeah. you said that to me at the uh, time. I'd yeah. have to learn all that stuff to cool play the record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This stuff stuff's sound great. Oh fine. Appreciate
1: you know, like, that.
0: Yeah, I remember that. That
1: wasn't that long ago. It
0: was like five years ago or something. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that because it pops up in my iTunes whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> but that was good cool. So yeah, and then you worked with Cliff. That's kind of when I just that's when I wound up in boutique guitars. Like Cliff mm. called me. Cliff was funny that way, because I think he did the same thing with Cobra. He called me like the second day I was open. Yeah. Just to check in yeah, and say, it's like hello. Yeah, hello, Like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right, right. And he First day they opened Cobra Guitars. Like oh, cool. he just had a great sense of like what was coming. He got Cold Cobra literally the first
1: day. He, I will say this about Cliff. Cliff does a lot of research. Yeah, he knows. And himself. he'll find guys that are like great that I've never heard of. That's what the last conversation I had with him, which wasn't that long ago, he had sort of just said, well, "That's what I'm good at."
0: You know, right. like finding these guys and bringing them to the public. He's like, "Does right. anyone can take it from there?" Right. Anyone could sell a guitar that's fully formed, and I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of true." I said, "Look, you know, like, you know, like, because he, well, he started everything. I always credit him with that. Mm-hmm. No one was just focusing on boutique guitars that yeah. I know of. I think he he was. Was.
1: I think he might have been the first first guy that I know
0: of who was really just doing that. Yeah,
1: and he, and, you know, he, and he's a good guy. And I've worked with him off and on for
0: years. Yeah, we crossed a lot of builders. Like, you know, we had a lot of the same guys because when I Started doing it I was like the second guy It seems. Right So like I was just The alternative to Cliff Sure You know because Cliff Was just so busy at that point These guys were all complaining They couldn't get him on the phone Right He was repping everybody Yes You know he's selling guitar. So like Sure So like all those guys Started calling me Saying oh there's another guy And he's near New York And you know This will be awesome And everyone's telling me Oh I can't get Cliff On the phone I'm like Well
1: look how many people He brought.
0: Church, right. like a busy, it was a lot I just kind of Sold those guitars It was a like A yeah, staff
1: there And some of the guitars Were really expensive And really interesting And weird You had all those guys Like I got I got a guitar one time That had like Some sort of weird squid And a big <laughs> eye An eye that moved around <laughs> yeah, and, had weird and I was shit. like What the heck I mean I mean, Not that it wasn't A good guitar It played well But I was right. like Some of the stuff He sent me Was like Oh my god This is so strange yeah, well, yeah It was all over the place But when I mean, the first time I saw the thing It
0: had to be like 60 or 70 Builders he was running.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then, know, then, like, and, then, and then amps. The only thing he didn't get into is acoustic guitars. So. Right.
0: What? That's harder. I never did either. Boutique yeah. acoustic guitars is a whole other thing. It's a whole other and thing. And you have to have your place perfectly temperature controlled. Right. So you can have all these acoustics. So That's a different clientele. It's a whole other
1: world to learn. Yeah. I don't even yeah.
0: know who the hip boutique guitar acoustic guitar guy is.
1: I, I don't know either. I had and a few
0: get in touch with me over the years and sent me guitars and I was like, man. This great this guitar. It's fucking amazing. It sounds like a Martin. You know, Golden Year and Martin It's brand new A lot new. of money there, right? Yeah, they're usually like Six, seven grand You know, because that's It's harder to make An acoustic guitar Than make an electric guitar Sure And it's a lot more goes into it But, okay. and I was like Oh, that'd be fun To do that someday But then you realize Like the only reason I was able to Really, do what I did and probably clip is because I sort of specialized at a certain point and just yeah. did boutique guitars. They still did vintage guitars, but even if I did boutique guitars, they looked like vintage guitars. They had something to do with vintage guitars. Yeah. So I found that was my little niche because I had all this vintage we guitar. work experience. with Josh.
1: Right. At and pro, at Procaster. Hi, Josh.
0: Yeah, he should be here. And the, yeah. you know, the first person was Doug Coward. Yes. And the second person was Mike Potvin, and the third, and they all knew each other. Right. That's how it all started, and then Sam Cardinal.
1: But they all knew each other right. already. You know, those guys were all friends. And, and what was so cool about some of those guys? Too is like Sam's earliest work was okay, right? Sound great, it was okay, right? We've and, all gotten better, and then he went from zero to incredible in no time because a lot of, a lot of those early guitars I still have,
0: yeah, of certain builders because they never sold, sure, and I just kept them as floor models. When right. you look at them now, and the builders don't even want to be showing them, right? Because they were very primitive versions of what they make, that yeah. was 10 years ago, yeah, like Mountain Cat's 10 years old, and a In November. And look at some of the crazy stuff Doug's doing with the firebirds and all that stuff. It's like, right. Wild. Yeah. That was the whole thing because I was the Banshee dealer. Right. You know, Doug built the Banshees. You know, we sold tons and tons of them and then he had to reconfigure them. But like, you know, but that was like, Doug was the first person to call me. Because when I put up my first website, I was repping Brian Monty guitars because he's an old, old friend of mine. Yeah, and, I demoed some of his And for. new stuff, you know, and, and vintage stuff. But I think what people thought is that I was a boutique store that just didn't list the rest of the builders yet. Right. And Doug Harris oh. called me He said, Oh, I see you're opening a guitar place, you know, like, you know, and you're repping boutique builders. And I was like,
1: Who have you for? Really?
0: Right. But, and he was like, Well, can I send you guitars? And I was like, Send guitars to me? Sure. Yes. Yeah, I'll not? accept guitars from you. Like you know, because like, I had no money to start my business, you know, like I just started right. a business. So and they showed up and they were amazing. And I was like, These guitars are amazing. His you stuff
1: know? was good. I demoed a lot of Yeah, stuff.
0: And it was raw, but I remember showing it to Bob and he's like, Well, this is you know, this could be a little smoother, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. But like the guitar sounded good. And it was all good. So, and then you know, the next guy, and the next guy, and they all started coming. And I was like, right. and they were all willing to consign these guitars because I knew people. Right. You know, I had a big following From the city. You know, and then it just started rolling, and it turned sure. into a whole little business. But my idea was just to do vintage guitars because it's all I ever did, right. and I probably wouldn't have been able to stay open because the vintage market's so weird. You know, there's yeah. so many guys doing it. There's just so many guys who want right. to buy that 55 Tele. Right. You know, and they'll all, they'll basically pay retail just to have it in their shop. Sure. Yeah. yeah so I can't really do that. So. You know, I get a lot of consignments. Up where I live, I'm lucky. There aren't that many other yeah. vintage dealers yeah. around. I have a good reputation, so I get a lot of good consignments. But without the boutique thing, Mountain Cat, it really became what Mountain Cat was. And then I hooked up with Josh, and yeah, you know, I do all the business for a product.
1: Josh and, is great. Yeah, and, yeah we, and when I first met Josh,
0: I think I only made two or three guitars.
1: Yeah, I mean, in fact, I was just sitting out there playing that three thirty-five he has, going. It the Josh. first thing That's w- <laughs> no, every guitar first, now though first thing I would do <laughs> give Is I would, I would take it Just give it to Josh And, and strip go strip that
0: shit Do you know, the Josh thing Yeah it, it They it would- sound better They feel better They yeah. like get good, good guitars That's yeah. Josh from Protocaster Guitars Yeah he's a great guy at home. And he's not far from here But you know But when I first met him He'd only made a couple guitars Right you know, me and I mean Nightbob Went over to his place because you know, right. Doug Coward told me about him He's like There's a guy in New York If he lived in California yeah. I'd hire him tomorrow Wow so He's the best finished guy
1: but he had not shot that many finishes, even. You know, he's just really good at it naturally. Just, yeah, just you, you know, you know a funny story about Night Bob, and this is a weird one, guys. He'll do yours early too. Yeah, so <laughs> that, not, Night Bob will remember th- with this. This is so funny. So Bob and I met in the eighties. He ran sound for me, helped me a lot when I was yeah. here. He's a great guy, and I got an endorsement with Kramer. Because I was working out with all the Jersey guys, you know, and the, you know all the, the guys that worked with Bon Jovi and all that. So they geez, introduced exactly. me to Kramer. I get into the Kramer family, and I meet Chris Hofschneider, that we all called Lumpy. You know, Lumpy worked I for Lumpy. <laughs> yeah, Lumpy worked for, uh, for, for, for Richie Sambora for years. And Lumpy called me up one time out of the building. He goes, man, I haven't talked to you in a couple of years. I love you. I want to make you a guitar. What do you want? And I said, I want something that's derivative of Firebird, but thicker like a Les Paul and slightly smaller. And I want Suarro cactuses for fret markers and some interesting headstock. Where's that guitar? Well, here's what happened. <laughs> here's what happened. Three months later, this case shows up in this box. Two P90s, Sunburst, Mother Pearl Guard, Mother Pearl Suarro cactuses. I mean, killer guitar. And I was about to go on tour with Mike Tramp from Light Lion in Europe playing guitar for Mike. So I take the guitar to Europe, played it on the tour. There's a lot of photos and video of me playing that guitar. I get home. Chris calls and says, "Hey, would you send that back? I want to spec it so I can make some more of them just like it." Sure. So I, I ship it back. Never, ne- never hear from him again. And then Chris dies. Ooh. So I thought, well, that guitar is. Who knows yeah, what happened, that's where right? It comes, right? Just about a month ago, Bob sees an old photo on Facebook of me with Mike Tramp, and he goes, Hey, what's that guitar you have on there? And I said, It's one that Lumpy built for me, but I sent it back and never got it from him. And he goes, Oh, I know where it is. I said, Where? And he goes, He sold it to Walter Becker when he needed money. No. Walt, it's in Walter's, it's in Walter's it's, stuff. It's in Walter's stuff. Wow. Yeah. So, that's that what happened. They have a couple of guitars.
0: The people of the world were ultimately wound up with Walter. Yeah. Because yeah, he buy anything
1: that was cool. Oh, yeah. Walter had a bunch of cool stuff.
0: Ugh. <laughs> he, he was well, awesome. Bob, yeah, Bob was dealing with that.
1: But. God rest his soul.
0: He was the best. He would have loved this place. <laughs> oh, he would have. You would have never gotten in the. This would be a spot to be out there right now.
1: Yeah. When I when I first you know, I first met Walter when I was with you you guys at that Brooklyn show right and I'm, I'm staying in the hallway right and this guy in a Hawaiian shirt comes up and goes what? and hugs me I'm like who the hell is this guy and I'm going yeah cool and Bob Bob walks up and he goes it's Walter and it's like oh Walter oh yeah and it's a it was such a funny thing to have somebody that was a legend like that what he said to me is he goes. I love your playing I bought everything You've ever demoed yeah. And Bob goes Everything <laughs> yeah. And sure enough When I went to Walter's locker I was like All these guitars I was like Yeah I demoed yeah. that I demoed that I demoed that Oh there's some amps I demoed you know, He just bought all of it Oh you know? we
0: did the the Karina guitar He had to have The first one
1: Yeah he's so good
0: And it was this whole thing And he was pissed at me Because I let Billy Gibbons was Rehearsing downstairs At S.A.R. On the day we brought That to Walter And you let him Try it And let him try it
1: Yeah
0: And I heard Walter was pissed about that. He's like mine. Yeah, yeah. I'm killing those people try it, but Billy was right there. My friend Mojo was there. He's like, oh, show that
1: guitar to Billy. You know, I love him. So I guess that Beth? guitar's still in the Walter collection, right? I think two of them. Huh? I think he bought a second one. Oh wow, cool. But yeah, it's in there.
0: Oh cool. But the thing was, <laughs> we like really had to rush Josh. This is the funny thing about Walter, like. Because he wanted it like they were going on tour, he had to have it. Like, right. So Josh had like three days to finish the thing. So right. it was his first thing he was doing for Walter. So I was like, "Look, he'll do it," but he, you know, you can't judge him on this finish because right. he has virtually no time to shoot it. Right. was like, "I don't care. You know, I don't care what things look like," and he really didn't, but he did. So when we delivered the guitar, he's like, "Best sounding guitar I own. Looks like shit." <laughs> Like I told you, so I said we'll go on the tour and come back and we'll refinish it for sure. you. Sure. And he was like, okay, whatever, you know. So they come off the tour and I was like, hey, you know, Walter, if you don't that guitar, we'll refinish it for you. He's like, oh no, you can't refinish it. It might sound different.
1: Right, because it's perfect the
0: way it is. Yeah. I was like, he's like, but I hate the way it looks. I was like, but it, it'll sound the same. He's like it might not. That's true. And he do. They had one a Doug Carr guitar too. The first Banshee I sold him. It developed some kind of weird bubble. Anybody, <laughs> and he left it. And he was like. I was like You want us to refinish that he's like, yeah. he's like There's sounds in this guitar That don't come out Of any other guitar Right So I don't want anyone To fuck it. Yeah I don't. You it's know, true. He didn't want it Messed with It would sound And yeah. he really didn't care What things looked like So much
1: One when I had My old company uh, Retro channel With that solid state Train wreck thing He was one of the first People that bought one Yeah he was like that He was like a patron one. Of all you boutique, know, the of boutique Boutique things the Yeah Because as he would tour I would set up appointments Like
0: Are you going to Canada Brian Monty like have him come to Soundcheck. Tell him to bring guitars. And he'd buy all them all. <laughs> you know? awesome. And this would go on all across the country. That's awesome. You know, wherever he was, you know, he would I'd be like, oh, this built it. Tell him to bring guitars. Wow. So every Soundcheck turned into like, you know, let's check out these things on the stage. That's cool. You know, but, and cool. then as they were traveling, because Bob was with them the whole time, they'd just be hitting guitar stops the whole way. And cool. he, there was one time they were going on tour. He wanted to bring, I think, somewhere like 70 or 80 guitars yeah. on tour. Wow. You know like Bob could confirm this but I'm pretty sure that's the thing And I think they had to get A whole nother prop And as it's they were touring guitarist. He was buying more stuff Wow
1: <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice to have So much money That you can just go but And I'll have that one I'll have so that one they so focused go though like, yeah. you would go to, They sat in that room At S.I.R. all day Bob and just Messed
0: with stuff Oh sure You know just like, get the like day Every day Yeah You know like You know just playing With Tone stuff like, junkie man Whoa you know, They were deep into Love it. It. <laughs> you know? Love it They were just so deep And Bob of course You know knows everything they Oh sure just, Yeah and they would Always do this thing Like it's different When you see like Guys like that Like try guitars Like Walter Rowe Was just plug it in Turn all the knobs down And then start Very slowly turn up and seeing what sounds were in between positions. Yeah, you know, you see a lot of guys they get a guitar, they put everything on ten, blah. They play, yeah. but that wasn't what they were doing. Like but watch see the Bob do it later. Listening nuances. They're playing with the tone knobs the whole time. Sure, me, yeah. I but you don't know. see guitar old well, old school guitar players I play do that. With the tone I that. Knob right? Jeff Beck was doing. But, but I, I usually
1: start with the knobs down. Uh, That's what they do. Everything turned right. down, and I'd hit an open G chord, and I can go
0: no. Right. But there like, was a lot like, of guys, Dicky Betts, would just hit this one note each time and be like, "Meh." If it doesn't do that right, you can't keep it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it's the same note each time, every guitar. So funny. You mentioned yeah. Dickie Betts. I opened for Dickie Betts at somewhere. It was, I, don't, I don't think it was a Stone Pump. was somewhere in New Jersey when I was here in '85. Oh, it <laughs> it might have been. And so I'm backstage, and Carmine's warming up, and you know, the drummer's doing his thing, and Dickie's stuff is kind of back there. And I walk over, and there's literally a 50s gold top with a Kaler. Uh, that's right. I've seen a picture of that. There's a and, video of them. And, 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 and I'm just standing there going, oh, God. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice behind him. He goes, ain't like I'm selling it, boy. was <laughs> 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 okay, okay. And I went, it's very nice, sir. And I went, okay,
0: <laughs> sorry. I'll step away from yeah, you. Those were dark years for guitars. There's like videos of like them playing pointy headstock things. Like everybody did. You know, yeah. they just had
1: to. Yeah. He goes, ain't like I'm selling it, boy. You know my friend that's got the coolest guitar collection is Frankie Sullivan uh, from For Survivor, right? And he has a bunch of my amps. And he's, he's just another another guy like Walter who's bought a lot stuff over the years, right? right. You know, and he, it's like you, you know I can't even probably say on a podcast or a camera show how, the stuff he has, but it, it's mind blowing,
0: right? Yeah, there's guys that out there have, you know, Townsend I'm sure, I'm sure or Gibbons or
1: has all that stuff too. But. Yeah, a
0: lot of the, you know, you had to be around the service Because I always tell people, like, when I first started working at Chelsea Guitars, a blackguard telly and a gold top were five grand.
1: Yeah. But
0: I didn't have five grand. I
1: didn't have five. Grand. I did
0: have five dollars. <laughs> right. So, like, oh, yeah. It's cheap. I still couldn't
1: afford it. <laughs> oh, well, you know, well, Frank, Frank told me that, that I don't think he paid more than 5000 for any of his flame no. tops, and he's got like nine. Well, this guy said, oh, yeah, I paid 400 for a blackguard back,
0: then. you know, like, yeah. I was only, you know, like I started getting tickets up in the mid 80s. I worked at a vintage guitar shop when I was still in college. But stuff wasn't cheap. I couldn't buy a 50 Strat. I wanted one. Sure. They were already four or five grand. It's a lot of go. For, for, for a kid. For a kid. I had four or five thousand dollars for a guitar. You know, like right. I just didn't. You know, you'd be able to get some stuff, but you couldn't get tellies, you know, right. like 50s tellies. But you can get 60s tellies. You can tell get 70s tellies. But you can yeah. get late 60s ones. Yeah. Especially if they were refinished. That's what Chelsea guitars was great for because we only yeah. got there because you can get a lot of refinished stuff or part stuff, Yeah. stuff that sounded right. It just wasn't really all original. Wow, you know, but yeah. but vintage guitars were always expensive. In, even in the eighties, you look at guitar trader things. You know, a Burst was already twenty grand. Right? You know, I would have liked to have had one of those. End up twenty grand. Everyone's like, twenty grand. What are they talking about? How could a guitar be twenty grand?
1: You yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's like I'm such a just a dumb hillbilly. I, I think if I had millions of dollars, I still wouldn't buy a Burst. I go. I- I'm not going to spend that much money on a guitar. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't really give a shit that much. It's like if I pick it up and play the G chord and it sounds good, I'll play it. Right. Some of those are great guitars.
0: You know, like they make great guitars in fifties. You know, it's not all great. Yeah. But, you know, but some of them really are magical. You can buy a guitar for that much sure, money because it's an investment. You know, if you really want to have one, it's fun to have. It shows you mm-hmm. other trends. You know, but you know, if I can have one, I certainly get one. You know, like well, if I could have one and not have to pay a hundred right, dollars, right? Thing, but certainly, you know, I've played a couple that were really fucking amazing. Like things crap! Like I'd bored. buy a house, <laughs> right? You You'd live it. in a
1: house, yeah. You live in a house and have have you know Charles Whitfield or yeah, Josh well, that's the or thing. Was like, Somebody yes. else build me some guitars, Who would make amazing stuff. That wasn't the case yeah. when I first started playing
0: guitar. That's why we looked for old guitars because the new guitars weren't
1: good. Well, you know, I'm left handed, right? I play guitar right handed, and there's only one reason. I took a couple lessons, and the guy walks in, and I'm holding my guitar like this. First thing he said to me Is he goes This is the 70's right And he goes You will never find Good left handed guitars yeah. It's gonna You're gonna hate your life If you get into this seriously oh, you You're gonna have knobs Up under your arms And stuff <laughs> He goes Just do this And I went Okay
0: Sorry. That's why I tell people Because they're like oh, My son's left here Where she played guitar Left here? I'm like Not really I mean He's gonna go to a party There's gonna be a guitar there He can't play it Right he Well,
1: Unless you, you do what Doyle Jr. does And Doyle just turns The threads <laughs> friends over. like that Who could play the other way you know, and like, and it, it makes for A really unique style With Dolby Ronald Jr. Because you know he, You're watching him And most of his Bending he's been in Down Right well then It sounds like Albert King yeah. That, that really was cool.
0: Walter's Whole thing It's funny like Walter like what I do him, which is all about Albert King Oh yeah And then if you went To listen to them play You're like I oh, had yeah, That's why like You know Carino Flying Bees Oh you know, like, sure But he was really Albert King You know and then oh, like yeah. You'd see him solo Some nights And you'd be like just playing Albert King riffs and then Steely Dan things, but like, right. you know, Albert King I think affects everybody who hears that. Right. You know, <laughs> like, if you're a guitar player, that's got kind of fuck you up. But he's bending down. Mm-hmm. And brr, that's why all those English guys like started bending. Well, down I've
1: been down on my G string a lot. Yeah, it's a different sound. Yeah, it's down you know? instead of, instead of up. For sure.
0: Yeah, and you see Albert doing it. It's like whoa, His right. hands were massive. You know, it's like Carino through mm-hmm. acoustic amps. So that's what he used. Wow. Well, I mean, BB like, King was using my, those Gibson, those Lab series, Lab series amps. Yeah. yeah, super weird. I've sold those over the years. They're super weird. Like, yeah,
1: they have a, compressor, not a terrible sound, right? right? but yeah.
0: it's a weird choice. You could have had yeah. a
1: twin. Yeah, I forget why you said you liked those laps or how you even got them. Right. Well, you never, you never know with people, with people in gear. Some people are very edgy and weird and want to tweak every little thing about yeah, their some gear, people don't care. and some people don't care. It's like I know that. Uh, my mentors, when they got their deal on on the Two Guns guys, one of the first tours they were on, they were the opening act, and and right after them played Molly Hatchet and then the Outlaws, and these guys had, you know, my mentor Bobby Williams had a had a fifty nine flame top, Marshalls, Willard. everything. He had a, he had a slab board fifty nine Strat, and one day he's, you know, he, they're hanging out, and he finally just says to Dave Lubeck straight up, he goes. Why do you guys play Peavies? Ma- he goes, You're making money. And he and he goes, Because they're free. They're free, right. <laughs> it's like, Skinner had them. Everybody had them. Yeah, they're free. Well, they were Mississippi
0: Marshals. You know, like, you yeah, You know, that's like, you know, but Skinner, did, back They years, sounded great though. At the it was, end, it was PVs. Yeah. You know, at the beginning, of course, they did
1: You know, my friend from Austin, Bill Webb, was teching for Skinner this last few years. And he said that he They actually went back In, in the warehouse And pulled out the You know Gary Rossington's Original white PV. I guess they were Maces or whatever They were right Yeah And Bill, made Bill said He went through them and, and tweaked it up And they brought it On stage And Gary plugged into it And it he goes Sounded just like All those records It was amazing But right. I'm sure I'm sure those were Really well made
0: Yeah You know That's why everyone Was using them Yeah You know every They Yeah they were in the states you know, They were down south
1: You know Charles is speaking.
0: Oh. <laughs> um, well, i we have missed so much stuff. So we're going to have to do another podcast. But um, we will. Yeah, but let's get at least talk about your amps. Let's do. So you've done tons and tons of guitar. show you've been doing project stuff since I've known you. Sure. So this is your latest of many. Sure. Um, but this is really your company.
1: Yes. And so it's hard for Well, what I finally said is, I said, "Wow, I've made a lot of people a lot of money, and I haven't made any." So Would it be nice If I made the money money, (laughs) I'd like to have money too You know It's like I make Everybody else famous And can make them lots of money And I don't make any money So I thought You have great ideas For gear Yeah Every good idea You come up with Is like That's a killer idea So we should build that And then people run with that And and make a lot of money money Fuck you over (laughs) (laughs) Well generally what happens Generally what happens And I won't name names But it's happened to me About 12 times Somebody will go that's a killer idea let's do that together and on every one of those we sell we're gonna give you this. this money and the the, mo- the most recent breaks out. <laughs> the, the most recent one was on a flying V project and there was a middleman between me oh, and I was gonna get involved in that one <laughs> well yeah it was it was between a middleman between me and the actual Eastern European builder right. they said you can build we can build 25 of these Vs for you to sell exact replicas. Yeah, no. and, and they're really good, <laughs> and, and and but you can only sell twenty five, and then and then that's it. And we won't make any more. I said okay. So and the pay, the, the, pay, the pay was good. You were selling them, already. and I sold. I was sold like sixteen of them, and then the guy in America calls and says, "Hold on, hold on. The builder's out of Karena. We don't have the right wood right now. We need to hold off for a while." And I had other guys going, "Man, I want to buy. A guitar. I want to buy a guitar I want the boys. Well, the American guy made a very dumb mistake. I'm at the Dallas Guitar Show he had me on the guy's Facebook page as an administrator and all of a sudden a, a message pops up oh, God. that says, what am I on the V list now, number 27 or 28? Oh shit like, oh you dicks here we go again <laughs> I'm out, bye yeah. so, so, no, you know, negativity aside, I thought, why not put together my own company, do my own thing that I really want to do and my favorite amps in the whole world... Are oh, doubles. Well, early 70s Dumbles and Tweed Twins. Right. And so uh, I worked together with, uh, with Lee Jackson, who's, you know, an engineer. or we stop. To. No. Okay. We just changed him. We work, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Lee Jackson lives in Austin. Uh, you know, normal eccentric amp guy. And, and I said, look, I, I don't want to copy a Dumble. I love the way the early 70s ones look. I don't want to be a dead nuts on copy of anything, but what I really dig is the early David Lindley Dumbles, and Tweed Twins. And he said, "Let's see if we can do it. Will you buy the parts?" I said, "Sure." It was only going to be for me. Right. So we built the thing, and, and we both turned it on. And went, "Wow!" Other people might like this.
0: Well, he's a serious builder.
1: Yeah, he knows he knows his stuff. Yeah. And so we went. Well, let's you know, let's start offering them, and then I was. Uh, I was out for a walk one morning. So we're going to call it. What are we going to call it? I went Smart Bell, and I thought of '40s planes, like fighter planes. Yeah. And so he said we're going to have the a, a, a pinup girl like they would on the old fighters, yeah. and we're going to name all the all the models after those planes, right? So the hundred watts, the P fifty one, and then and then we came up with a uh, a six V six version of it that has a half power switch. That's called a thirty eight. And, um, you had that out there. For you. Yes, and so we started. We started getting really, really good feedback, and started selling amps. And then some celebrities started buying the amps. Tommy Shaw bought a hundred watt from Sticks. Frankie Sullivan's bought two amps from Survivor. And then the thing I'm kind of most excited and proud about was uh, we were in L.A. and I had always wanted to get since we started this and it hadn't been that long it's been less than a year I'd always wanted to get one of these to Joe Walsh because Joe's Joe's the reason I play slide right he's such a such a great player and such a great writer and singer and everything and so we were able to get Joe to hear the amps and he chose a P38 so he's got the 4.6V amp and, and apparently loves it he bought it you know he's one of those all, all of the guys that have worked with us, thank goodness that are like celebrities and pros have been the kind Thanks of guys that go we will pay for what we yeah. want and so they we, cool. so they've paid for the gear and it's been really cool got a lot of great customers and then what we recently did is we brought my buddy Steven, who is an incredible analog circuitry designer, and we took the the platform that we're doing, which is basically a early 70's dumble style platform but with very very handmade tweed style transformers so technically transformers are only 4 ohms yeah. you can use an 8 ohm or 16 ohm cabin you just lose headroom and a little low end but 4 ohms is where they like to live right yeah. so we brought Steve in and said we want to do something people can afford it sounds good so Steve rather than doing a digital modeling thing or doing an analog model of an entire amplifier We've narrowed it down now to where he analog models the tubes. well, wow. Just the tubes. And each tube, he spent a lot of time making it react just like and It's all analog. There's no digital stuff. So now we have this thing called the SR-71 because it's a spy plane, right? Yeah. And it's a 20-pound version of 100-watt mm-hmm. amp. in solid state. In solid state. want to hear that. That's and, the, and guys have been freaking out over it. And I, yeah, sorry, yeah. and I, I, I did some videos on it and sold... Twenty-six though, of them in about four weeks. Wow! Yeah, and, and so, what we're going to do now is that's going to be a production model for us that we'll put in stores, like actual retail stores around the world. Because what we want to be able to do is service our friends in the boutique market with our high-end stuff, right. but also to have something that you know an average player could go down to a store, plug in, play, enjoy, and buy it. That's awesome. And so, we're gonna, we're going to do a whole line of things that that are. It, using that technology and affordable. Good. That's I, I'm really psyched to
0: hear that. Yeah. So what we're going to do now, we're going to end here because we have people out there. Obviously, we're going to be here all day. Sure. So we're going to take tons of videos. So there will be everything Lance just explained. There'll be videos for him. Lance has already done videos. Sure. But um, Lance, it was great to have you here. Mm. All right, we got to see. do a podcast with you. Yeah. And we hope you all enjoy the podcast and we will see you next time and we will be posting tons of videos from where we're going to go party.
1: As and uh, as Ryan Wagner says, time to make some drinking. <laughs> Thanks so, everybody bye guys.